a final frenzied race to the finish for the Georgia legislature. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you are just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Patricia, the end is near. The long slog of the 2023 legislature is almost over. It's going to be a big day at the Capitol on Wednesday for Signy Die. We're here to preview everything. But before we begin, I also want to say that our producer, Shaney B., is going to be down with us at the Capitol. Look out for him. He will be, he'll be doing another special episode to give a behind-the-scenes look, a glimpse for our listeners about what it's like to be in the middle of the storm that is Signy Die. Yes, we got such a great response from our crossover day edition where we were down with Shaney B at the Capitol that we decided to do it again. And I mean, I think we have all noticed that everybody is pretty much running on fumes down there at the Georgia General Assembly. Uh, Tensions are high. Tempers are short. We'll see what we get when people talk to us (laughs) this time around. Um, But it will be, I think, a really great episode. That'll be in people's feeds on Thursday morning. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about what to expect on Signy Die, which is Wednesday. And lots to expect. Governor Kemp called for the passage of school voucher legislation. Sports betting is struggling to get across that final finish line. And a prosecutorial oversight bill goes to Governor Kemp's desk. This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Before we begin, a special announcement. On Thursday, March 30th at 5 p.m., we're going to host our first ever Politically Georgia live virtual podcast taping. And you're invited if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can sit in our virtual studio and get a little behind-the-scenes look at how we do the show. We'll do a live listener mailbag so please come with the questions ready or else Shaney B is going to have to ask us plenty of them. Yes. The grand plan is for us to be in our beautiful Cox studio. There's a chance that that's not going to happen. So be sure to tune in to see where Greg and I are actually doing the live podcast from. And we, when we say live podcast, we're not all going to be in the same room, but we all will be on the same feed at the same time. So when y'all dial in to listen to it or watch it, you'll be able to see, um, see the magic as it happens. Because there's a chance we're in a Smyrna parking lot outside of yes. one of the nation's biggest gun chance. stores. Where <laughs> we all just hope that your cars are clean because we're going to have a good look inside. I don't know exactly. why you hope that because that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patricia, let's get right to it because the next 14 hours or so of the legislative session, we say of sorrow because usually they end by midnight, but not always. 
Uh, it's a do or die day for some of the most consequential pieces of legislation up for debate in the General Assembly. Lawmakers are notorious procrastinators. And that's no different during this year's sine die, which is the last gasp of the 40-day session. A handful of closely watched bills have already crossed the finish line, but huge, huge items remain unfinished. Chief among them is the state's $32.4 billion budget, which is a source of tension between the governor's office, the Senate, and the House, but it's also assured it will pass. It's the only thing that lawmakers are constitutionally required to do. The rest, though, is really up in the air. Let's start with one of the biggest issues, Patricia, one that sort of snuck up on us uh, in terms of late traction. Lawmakers have been debating school vouchers for more than a decade, and every year they fail because of major opposition from local officials and from Democrats who both say it will undercut public school funding. But things have changed this year with new leaders in the House and Senate and a governor who is behind the idea. The Senate already cleared a measure for taxpayer-funded school vouchers of $6,500 per student that would go to private school tuition or to homeschooling expenses. And Governor Kemp has come out forcefully behind the idea. He met with lawmakers behind closed doors to endorse it and also went on Eric Erickson's WSB show to back the proposal. Well, listen, I think they passed a good bill out of the Senate, Eric. You know, both my floor leaders voted for it. Uh, I've been a strong supporter of school choice over the years. I know the House continues to work on that issue. We're obviously involved in discussions in regards to that, and I know the legislators are continuing to work on that issue. So I'm hopeful that we can get this over the finish line. Patricia, this would be a transformative change. Yeah, a really, really big change. Democrats and some public school proponents say this is just not the right direction to be going in because that takes state funds, which um, inevitably could be spent on public education. There are no cuts to public education right now. But when you have a shrinking state budget and then you have also obligations to a program like this, um, pretty high dollars, $6,500 going to either private education or you said homeschool can also go toward tutoring. There's a lot of flexibility in that program. Um, that is something that uh, conservatives have wanted for a very, very long time. Now, Brian Kemp had not been out front on this issue, and it's one of many issues where the governor was taking, you know, as we said before, a behind-the-scenes approach to this session. Generally, we knew from his floor leaders, meaning the the members of the House and Senate who he has tapped to bring his legislation forward, we knew those were his priorities because those uh, three, four leaders on each side would pop up with those bills. Um, but this voucher bill is a little different. And I will say, I started to notice, and it was being flagged for me, editorials from the Wall Street Journal editorial page two in the last two weeks saying, where is Brian Kemp? on school choice is, as they call it, Democrats call it vouchers. I guess they are vouchers. I don't know. Um, So the Wall Street Journal Editorial Board and other conservatives and a number of special interests have been really pushing this bill. It also is a very, um, very popular with the GOP base, particularly the homeschoolers. So it's something that he's been getting a lot of push on. The most recent Wall Street Journal Editorial about this said it compared Kemp to Ron DeSantis and said, why is Brian Kemp not leading on this issue in the same way that Ron DeSantis is? I thought to me that was a real attention grabber to compare those two. Uh, They said that that's sort of like the difference over the state line for people in real life. And um, it certainly focused 
my attention on the issue, and I am quite sure it focused <laughs> other people's attention on the issue as well. And this is where Kemp has come down on it, not behind the scenes anymore, very much out front, picking Eric Erickson's show, super popular among conservatives and Republicans, and even some not Republicans. I um, He's got a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, picked a really high-profile place to come out and make this announcement. Yeah, it strikes me this is going to be a big test of Governor Kemp's influence in, in last year legislative session, he he got pretty much everything on his agenda across the finish line, um, big and small. There was really no major piece of of legislative item on his wish list that he didn't pass. He didn't get signed last year. Uh, this year, you know, he came in with a a more scaled back agenda. He never really had to give sweeping campaign promises in the re-election campaign because he was ahead of Stacey Abrams in every public poll. And um, he, he was able to get a lot of his priorities in the state budget done in the mid-year budget. And a number of them are already embedded in the next fiscal budget. Um, but this is now, he's taking on a big fight. This is a fight that's waged for more than a decade. And um, it's safe to say lawmakers behind the scenes knew, of course, he was supporting it. But now he's starting to twist arms on Tuesday, he met behind closed doors with members of the Georgia Republican House Caucus uh, to encourage them in a way that I was told was very full-throated, so unequivocal, um, to adopt this legislation. It was the Georgia House that sort of tapped the brakes on it. The Senate has already passed this legislation uh, earlier on in March, and the House was not so sure about it. Now there's a full court press on them from the governor and from other supporters of the measure, like conservative activists like the lieutenant governor, like others who are urging House Republicans uh, who, who, have, who, who are skeptical of this bill to go ahead and vote for it. Of course, they're dealing with a lot of pushback too, not just from Democrats, but from members of their own communities, um, local school boards, local officials, and others who are worried that taking away money from public school will, A, just make it more inequitable, undercut the public school system, but also you know, be a sort of a handout uh, for more affluent families that were already thinking of sending their kids to private schools. You know, some of them just say, look, what schools offer $6,500 tuitions? Most schools, especially Metro Atlanta, tuitions are well above 25 grand per student for a year. So there, there are worries that this would just help affluent families and this would damage public school systems even more. Yep. So you you know, we've covered all of these, uh, all of the arguments. Um, also in rural areas, it has been uh, brought up many times, there are no private schools uh, for kids to go to. So um, you can do this for homeschool, but it's a very limited kind of family and number of families who can do homeschool. So um, it has a lot of questions built into it. The debate was extremely heated on this issue and has been for a long, long time. But now that the governor is behind it and the lieutenant governor is behind it, and it's funny how people on different sides of the of an issue one day are on the same side of a different issue the next day. Um, that's an aside. Um, but with both of those gentlemen behind this, it really does feel like it's got the kind of momentum that it's never had before. Well, while this issue is gaining traction, another appears to be losing it. A sports betting bill has stalled out in the Senate despite Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones's push for lawmakers to render what he calls a verdict on the idea this year. But Republicans, Patricia, they just don't have the votes to pass this on their own. There's there's a lot of conservatives who oppose it for various reasons um, and never have even given an inkling that they're behind it. So they need Democrats to back the proposal. Democrats have voted for it in the past, but right now they are locking down and refusing to support the idea 
in a protest of other measures, like the new transgender limits on health care for transgender youth. This, the fate of this legislation seems very dim at the moment of this taping. I've been checking around with, with different sources. They're not, uh, they're not optimistic. Even some of the most hardcore supporters of sports betting are saying this looks like it might not cross the finish line. Yeah, which is really incredible after the incredible lengths that supporters have gone to to get this bill um, resuscitated for this part of the legislative session. It had already had four separate chances to come forward in different versions. Um, Then they stripped out a separate bill and put this in there with the hopes and the assumptions that, okay, yes, now they do have the bill, the votes to pass. Now they do have the coalition they need to move this thing forward. Well, it turns out maybe they don't. And Democrats this session, um, it's such a stark uh, difference in the choices that Democrats have versus the choices that Republicans have, because Democrats typically don't have the votes to do much except object to things. Um, They can give speeches, they can hold press conferences, they can put out statements, but they just don't have the power down there at the General Assembly. But then there are the occasional issues where their interests align with some portion of the Republican caucus um, and they can pull their votes together and block a vote that is very important to a lot of very important people down there at the Capitol. They do have the power to keep a bill from passing under the right circumstances for them. So this appears to be one of those. And it's another instance of sort of once you get into late in the session, you have hurt feelings, you have angry People, you have people who um, want to have a chance to kind of take a pound of flesh for what they feel like they had to take earlier in the session. And this is a a pretty good example of that as well. Democrats were willing to vote for this, um, but it's not like it was, they've never campaigned on this. They have never said this is what it means to be a Democrat is to pass sports betting. So this is the exact kind of measure where Democrats can pull together their votes and make a difference in the chamber. uh, And it looks like they're about to. Yeah. And look, Patricia, this is a, I'm about to read a quote from Enos Owens, who is uh, one of Burt Jones's top aides. It's his chief spokeswoman. Here's what she said about the, the democratic pushback quote, Democrats like to talk about the lack of funding for education in our state, but when they get the opportunity to support an actual funding increase, they lock down against it. The irony is rich. So uh, hard feelings. I don't know if that's going to encourage many Democrats to change their minds. There was a response from Jason Estevez, one of the first-term Senate Democrats who represents a swath of Atlanta. He said, the real irony is that Republicans have actively worked against Democrats to take money out of public education. This session, vouchers, uh, other issues. Yet they blame Democrats for a failed last-minute attempt to pass sports betting. So, again, signs do not look good for any sort of compromise to break this impasse. But then again... You don't necessarily need a huge number of Democrats to vote. You just need a handful. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, the folks I'm talking to are very, very pessimistic about its chances. Yeah. And I think also um, conflating it with education funding is not quite right. Uh, Republicans had every opportunity and and they did to fund public education. Um, but this is not about 
an education bill. This is about a sports betting bill, and everybody knows it. I mean, that is that is a, a little rich. Um, Jason Estevez, of course, the former chair of the Atlanta School Board, um, most recently, and now he's in the state senate, um, has really become a go-to voice for Democrats when it comes to education and public education. He certainly made a big impact on that Buckhead City debate as well, talking about the potential effect on schools. So, um, yeah. Republicans can say this is an education bill as much as they like. They had certainly hoped that by using that money that would come from sports betting and promising to put it toward education, that might make the difference. Um, But people who know a lot about betting say the real money is not in sports betting. You you get your huge dollars from casinos and horse racing. And so it's not a lot of money. Um, There's no guarantee uh, that it goes to specific pots of education funding. And a lot of worry in those chambers also also about, among Republicans especially, about addiction to gambling, about Mm -hmm. the effect it would have, especially on college students, um, with the chance to place these bets on their phones. And so it's really quite a complicated, complex issue. Um, But again, it just doesn't look like it's going to have the juice this year. We'll find out soon enough. Let's take a quick break. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're also two of the three Morning Jolt authors of the newsletter that sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, and you get six months of unlimited digital access for less than a dollar, 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, so you always know what's really going on. Patricia, before we get to the big legislation that did cross the finish line, that did reach Governor Kemp's desk, I want to talk uh, quickly about another measure that we've been covering all session that might not make it. We're not sure But the fate of a mental health package is really uncertain right now after some of the House-Senate tensions that we covered during the whole debate over hospital regulations um, helped stymie its passage. The overall legislation, it might not get across the finish line. Those supporters are right now trying to salvage parts of it. This is all part of the last frenzy in the session. There's a lot of uncertainties up there. Even the authors of this measure Uh, I caught up with them. I know you've caught up with them, are very, very uncertain. A lot of times they'll even come to us in the media and say, hey, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Um, Because there's there's a lot of uh, 
there's just a lot of frenzy these last few days. I know we overuse the word frenzy, but it really is. There's a lot of chaos under the gold dome. You might see in new videos, everything seems very calm and orderly, but man, behind the scenes, there's just a lot that is up in the air. And this bill did not get a vote in Senate committee, and that's a real stumbling block right now. Typically, if bills have at least gotten through Senate committee, something of this size, um, they like to do that through committee, let those senators have their say. They did debate it in committee, but it was very specifically held off to not get a vote. And that felt very um, strategic. It seemed like it was not coming from the committee itself, but from Senate leadership. And um, yeah, you're exactly right. We are not talking to people down at the Capitol who really see a path for this to go forward without some kind of a last minute legislative breakthrough. It also doesn't seem to be the substance of the bill so much, although we have heard some objections from Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones about some of the funding, some of the expansions, um, potentially under the Medicaid program. So he has raised some specific concerns about this bill. Um, Inside the committee, it sounded to have more momentum than that, uh, but it has not come up for a vote yet. And without some kind of last minute breakthrough, it, we don't exactly see the path for it. Patricia, let's talk about the big bill that did reach Governor Kemp's desk. This is a measure that's also sparked all sorts of controversy. It is, I guess one way to put it is prosecutor oversight bill. Democrats and some critics like to call it the anti-Fonnie Willis measure. <laughs> so it's had a few different names, but really what it does is creates a state board with new powers to investigate, punish, or even remove district attorneys uh, who are seen as inept, inefficient, or even in some cases perhaps too progressive. Uh, Basically, district attorneys who are accused of skirting or violating their oath of office. This overhaul was approved over the objections of state Democrats. Almost every single state Democrat voted against this measure, as well as some prominent district attorneys who say that it's too vague, that allows prosecutors to be removed for very broad reasons, such as willful misconduct or persistent failure to follow the law. Uh, Among the biggest critics is Bonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, of course, is at the center of the ongoing investigation into whether or not President whether or not former President Donald Trump violated state laws by meddling with the 2020 election. She says it's racist and retaliatory. Others have backed her up. Republicans, they say this is not about Fonnie Willis. Um, They actually say it's about a number of other prosecutors, both Democrats and Republicans, who have either been removed from office uh, after violating state laws, or uh, in the case of Deborah Gonzalez, who's an athens Clark County attorney, is being accused of just being inept at her job and of letting serious crimes go unpunished. So there is a lot at stake here. Um, it is very, very, very likely that Governor Kemp signs this measure into law over the next few weeks. I have no indication that he has any qualms with it. And he was an early, he didn't go out and specify that he backed this particular legislation, but he has said over and over and over again that there is a reason, there is a need for this new layer of accountability. And of course, Democrats say there's already layers of accountability built into the law, ranging from state bar guidelines and an ability for the General Assembly to actually impeach a prosecutor, and of course, local recall laws. So Patricia, we'll be watching the fallout of this one very, very closely. 
we are definitely going to watch the fallout of this because there are so many different layers to this particular debate. First of all, there's the national conversation about this particular bill. It's gotten all kinds of national attention because of Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and the fact that nationally the perception is that this bill is all about Fonnie Willis and her prosecution or potential prosecution of Donald Trump. Certainly the special grand jury investigation into Donald Trump. Um, Could a bill like this be weaponized against somebody like Fonnie Willis? There were other bills that most certainly could have. Now, the bill that has ended up passing, um, as you said, Kemp didn't outline exactly what prescription he wanted in order to deal with local prosecutors, but he definitely said he wanted the legislature to act on this. He talked about it in his State of the State address. He talked about about it um, with members of the General Assembly. And he was talking about a group of sort of what Republicans are calling rogue prosecutors. Now you talk to those prosecutors, and frankly, they will tell you those are black prosecutors or Latina prosecutors. Any prosecutors of color, multiple have been elected in 2020. And those local DAs say, hey, first of all, these are DAs who you're not used to being in power. Republicans. Also, these are local DAs who have been elected by their communities specifically to prosecute laws the way that they are doing it. That's their argument. Now, we've heard a great deal from Governor Kemp, Republicans, and some Democrats that um, they don't like what happened after the abortion law passed. They did not like that a number of DAs came forward and said, I'm not prosecuting this law. This is not going to be a priority for me. Um, One of the DAs who said that was District Attorney Deborah Gonzalez, as you said, over there in Athens, um, Athens, Clark County. That is where the governor is from. It's where Houston Gaines is from, who brought this bill. And it really felt like instead of being targeted at Fonnie Willis, it definitely feels like it was targeted at Deborah Gonzalez over there in Athens, Clark County. Um, When I mentioned Democrats, a really interesting voice in this debate has been State Representative Mesha Maynard. She has um, really taken a stand on this as a Democrat. Um, She's also somebody who has dealt with a stalking case in her own personal life. She has been the victim of stalking. And she said she just could not get the attention of prosecutors um, in her area and did not feel like prosecutors respond enough or in the right way to victims of domestic violence. So this is one of those bills that has really um, slightly shaken up the political calculation, particularly in that case. Um, It passed um, certainly um, pretty easily because of the governor's attention to it. Republicans really were largely in favor of this. Um, It's something, to your point, though, creates a really different dynamic for DAs and local DAs to have not just state oversight, but it's a commission appointed entirely by Republicans. So there, uh, there is likely to be some friction there as that oversight panel goes into effect. And we'll watch that really carefully. Well, that is all the time we have for today's podcast. Remember, we have a special episode that Shaney B will be producing from Signy Die to give you a behind the scenes glimpse of what it's like to be under the gold dome doing that final frenetic marathon day. We'll also have on Thursday, March 30th at 5 p.m., our special edition, a live virtual event. We'll either be in our cars or we'll be together in a studio, but you'll be able to watch it online and ask questions of what the heck just happened under the gold dome. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes, as always, to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.